Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Saints, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Kate Kistner, an editor at Canal Street Chronicles. And I'm Maddie Hudak, also an editor over at Canal Street Chronicles. Hey, what's going on, guys? This former New Orleans Saints cornerback, Delvin Bro here, New Orleans native. I just want to say thank you. Bro Show, out. Welcome to episode three of Believing Saints. Today we've got Maggie Hugak and Delvin Bro back. We're going to break down the Kansas City Chiefs victory over the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Drew Brees. Did they make the right decision in bringing him back? We're also going to talk about the defense and how they played. And then finally, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of a playoff picture. So let's start here. Maggie, give me your uh, quick reaction to, to the Saints loss last night. You have to kind of think about, you know, what our opponent was here. The fact that it was a three-point difference against the NFL's arguably best team, absolutely best offense, with the tools that we had at our disposal, especially on offense, I would say we were operating at about a 60%. Even with the healthy breeze, the receiving court that he had at his disposal was just one of the worst we've had in a while. If this was our C-plus game plan, and we still, you know, held the Chiefs to a three-point game, I also think that Patrick Mahomes looked human for like 98% of this game, which is a pretty high percentage. But there were several third down conversions that that no other team makes there. Like you said, we'll get into the, you know, was Drew Brees the right one to roll with here? I've been less encouraged by Saints wins than I have been by by this loss. Uh, You you know what? I actually like where we're at. You know, I I actually just watching the game, being a former player, knowing where we're at in this position. I actually like where we're at. You know, it it actually dealt more time for the guys to build that chemistry, even though, you know, we had some guys got ejected from the game, you know, and and Marcus Williams back there got injured. But it it also bringing those added guys to communicate and, you know, because we may need those guys down the line. So having that added depth was huge for us. So uh, I I like where we are. Uh, Yeah, I agree with both you guys. I was really impressed with the way the Saints kind of handled themselves throughout the entire game. Not a very strong start. Drew Brees started out with the, the worst of his career in pass attempts. I think he went 0 for 5 or 0 for 6, right? Still was able to kind of bounce back a little bit. Only lose this game by three points. Very winnable game. And the defense was just incredibly impressive to me. I've heard a lot of fans talking today. How can you think letting the Chiefs score 32 points is impressive? But when that team, when that defense was on the field for 41 minutes and they made like Maddie like you said they made Patrick Mahomes look uh look like a, a like look like a mortal I thought this was a really good all-around game for the Saints uh, and if this is a loss that we're going to take I think that there's a lot of lessons that that this team is going to take away from this I thought that Delvin you know that was a good point I didn't think about how that time of possession gave the defense basically two full games of, of practice under those conditions especially against a team of that caliber and I did note that there was no blown Saints play at any point in that game. That's impressive when they're not playing what is considered a half marathon in the football world. And like you said, even with those injuries that we had, 
having that time for those guys to play. I never thought about it like that, but that that's definitely an you know one of those weird positives to take away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you know that that's the perk of you know having former players, you know, because I can uh, right. give you know those insights. Um, because you got to think those we're going to need those guys, you know, and and also having them getting that experience early before the playoff, I think it's going to be very beneficial because they're actually getting those reps now. They're getting those kinks. They're getting those you know slips, whatever they miss tackles. They're getting that out the way now. So whenever they do get put in a position in a playoff, it won't be new to them. It would they just fit right on it. Yeah, I think that's a really important takeaway that you guys just brought up there. But let's talk a little bit about what everyone has been talking about today. Drew Brees. Okay, so he fractured 11 ribs and left the game in, in week 10 against the San Francisco 49ers. Also reported that he had a collapsed lung. And four weeks later, he's back on the field playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty crazy stuff. A lot of people were saying, oh, is he being rushed back too quickly and, and, and things like that. So was starting Drew Brees the, the right decision? Maggie, you have any, any thoughts on that? Let you go first. So, you know, I was excited just for Drew Brees to have this moment in his career. You have to think that, you know, this is touted as a possible Super Bowl matchup. But as we've seen and as 2018 continues to sting year by year, it's very hard to get to the Super Bowl. And so I could see Brees saying, this is possibly my only chance to ever play Patrick Mahomes. And even if I'm not 100%, I, I could see him, especially, you know, with him missing out on so many well-deserved awards over the years, these personal milestones for him, I think are really important. That all being said, I think that there was a lot of rust that he did shake off. And I think he proved in his two-minute drill at the end that you can never count Drew Brees out, no matter what he's playing at injury-wise, no matter the tools at his disposal. But I don't think anyone was expecting the rust to look that badly. You know, would we have won the game if, if Brees wasn't playing? We're never going to be able to say either way. Thankfully, it didn't look like he got any more injured in this game. But hearing him after the fact say that he wasn't at 100%, I think the consensus of Saints fans last week was if Breeze is playing this week, he has to be 100% or else this is insane. So to hear and after the fact that that wasn't the case, it alarms me a lot. I, I think it was important for him to shake off the rust. But I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Cade? Well, I was actually going to kind of expand on your, your point a little bit of the Saints fans saying, if he's not 100%, don't bring him out. Well, here's my thing. I think that if Drew Brees was medically cleared to play, he's going to play because that's who he is. But I have a question for Delvin here. So let's say you're, you know, Drew Brees, he's kind of a, a meshing point there for the offense, right? If he's not 100%, is it worth it to run him out there, let him get some game time under his belt, and then continue to use him throughout the regular season? That way he gets more reps, you're going into the playoffs primed and ready to go? Or, you know, would you rather have had him sit out the rest, the rest of the regular season and then make his first start in the playoffs? Because I feel like as a player, getting those extra reps before the playoffs has to be important, right? Hey, Kay, game time for what, Kay? No way. Drew don't need no – he has no rust. Drew don't need to knock off no rust, man. Drew is what? Oh, what, almost 30 years playing in the NFL, man? He has no rust, man. He has tons of experience. Whenever he's ready, um, I, I think they should – Shouldn't have, uh, they, they shouldn't have threw him out there uh, just yet, you know, despite they saying he's medically cleared. But I know Drew personally. 
and 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 Drew is a a competitor. Drew wants to win. Man, if Drew could have played the last two, three, four weeks, Drew would have played. Trust me, man. I I, I know. But getting him out there now, to me, I, I think it was a bit of a stretch. Because Drew, to me, Drew don't have rust. I mean, we, we, Drew can sit out nine games and come back and play, and he's going to look like, man, he's going to be Drew. You saw the two minutes. You saw the last two minutes. Right? You saw yeah. that. Come on, man. Yep. Ain't no rust there. You know, Um, you got to think Kansas City is, is not a bad, you know, that's, they're not a bad team, man. They're pretty good. So for us to still lose by three, man, I, I think we have a great team, Um, and I like where we're heading in the future. And as far as Drew playing, in my opinion, I think we should have waited. But like I said, we all have opinions. Um, But that's just my opinion. I think we should have waited. Use him later on in the in the playoffs. Uh, let Taysom get more experience. You know, let let Jameis maybe get in the game. I I don't know. Um, and maybe look look at the guys that were out. You know, let those, let those young guys come in and play. Michael Thomas was out, so you have you got the feeling those young guys, man. Um, and, and think about it. That's more experience. I keep break, going back to it. It's more experience, and I think it was beautiful just to see those young guys get in and those guys, like even Jawan, um, what is it, uh, Johnson? Johnson, yep. Just seeing him out there playing, you know, was 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 good, man, because we need that, because we may need him in the playoffs, and we may need him, man. So I I I think it was awesome. Yeah, I think you had guys out there like Lil Jordan Humphrey, Jawan Johnson, they're out there getting some great reps against one of the best teams in the NFL. I feel like there's you you can't get any better, you know any better experience than that. So you're right. You make some great points. I, I did just want to touch on, on the rust thing because that I honestly feel like that's something that I've just been saying because I've been reading it so many times that it's like, you know, yeah, this makes sense. Shake off the rust kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I would agree that Breeze doesn't have any rust. Just the only thing that gave me pause was a comment that Sean Payton made in the postgame presser about, you know, Michael Thomas and saying that keeping him on IR was was them doing the smart thing. It almost seems like to me that Drew is, is Drew's worst enemy from what you've described and what we've all seen, you know, him, if he could play through, a, you know, a shredded rib cage, he would do it easily. But I just, I don't know what this game did in terms for Drew gelling with this offensive corp, because I just don't think the corp that we have is something that's gelable with anyone back there. I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't, I, I don't see, I, I don't see the, if you're looking at the big picture, I don't see what this meant for Drew. Like, I mean, I, I, I want to know me being a player and now being a fan, I, I want to know what happened behind closed door. One of my good friends say juicy information, right? It's juicy. They have something juicy behind closed doors that us fans want to know like and and i'm i'm feigning i want to know yeah and i just want to you know one last thing i'll be honest yeah i said it rust delvin thank you for uh pointing out that you know drew Brees is unlike many other players and in the sense that he you're right he's one of the best to do it but he even said himself last night i think he was talking to mike nabor uh he said that he wasn't a hundred percent uh, but he still played. So if he's not 100%, then, you know, why run him out there? And like you said, Maggie, with this, you know, this offensive core that was out there. I mean, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of positives to having Drew go out there. And I did say early in the week that playing Drew was the right decision. But after watching last night, I'm like you, Delvin. I don't see where there was a benefit for the team or for the player himself if he wasn't going to go out there and knock off Russ and if he's not 100%. So so if you're going to protect Michael Thomas, why not protect uh, Drew Brees as well? Here, Here's my only question that I'm curious about your guys' thoughts are when, I, when I'm thinking about, like Delvin said, 
what what what's the reason for starting Drew here? My only thought is while I just said that getting back to the Super Bowl is something that's really hard to do, you know that Sean Payton was planning for this game knowing that this would be a possible Super Bowl rematch. And we aren't going to win the Super Bowl against Kansas City without Drew Brees back there. And if we're banking on Michael Thomas getting back there and he doesn't get back there, then we're at, we're at an issue. So mm-hmm. as much as it's thinking what was Drew supposed to do with those tools at his disposal, so what was the point of putting him out there? If this does end up being the Super Bowl and, and this is what we have to work with, I feel like this is almost like a baseline control game to see, you know, where is our worst offense basically at against them. And, you know, with a healthy breeze in the playoffs, and this was my my only you know, thing that I thought could potentially be him acting like this was a Super Bowl preview. And we'll we'll get to the Taysom Hill, you know, talk later. But a lot of those third down plays, and, and it just felt like a lot of those plays were missing that X factor that's Taysom Hill. I almost wonder if this was Sean seeing what his typical breeze-led offense looks like against Kansas City. And if if we went out there and lost with Taysom Hill, we don't have much information for a Super Bowl preview. But we have pretty good information now on what our normal offense looks like against their defense. And so hopefully we get some players back. But if Breeze is healthy and then we can sprinkle in Taysom Hill, I do see the value in having what our Super Bowl game plan would be, even at its bare bones, just to test it out. Yeah, fantastic points on on all of that. And I think that you're probably right. I, I imagine that that had to kind of go into the line of thinking of starting Breeze. Like, it's, you're right. This is a potential Super Bowl matchup. Let's see what we've got. But what about Taysom Hill? So he's, uh, you call him that X factor. That's what he is. And so I thought it was a little bit surprising that he wasn't utilized the same way that he had, that he was being utilized before Drew went out with injury. So it seemed like on close third downs, Taysom was brought in. It was always like, I think it drove a lot of Saints fans absolutely wild or mad that Drew just led this beautiful drive. And now, you know, they're on the opponent's 30 on third and two, and we bring Taysom Hill in. It's like, why not let Drew take it? But I think that that might have been the X factor last night. What happens if you bring in Taysom Hill on those third downs and you convert those third downs? Because last night, the Saints were 1-11 on third down. That might have been the difference in the game. So why, why not? Why not play, you know, taste on those third downs like you've been doing all season? Versatility, you know, that that's what I think, man. We we definitely stepped away from the versatile uh, factor of the game, you know. And we had Taysom rolling three, four, eight. keep him in the game. Work Drew in the game. Because it's Taysom team now. So I, I I would have loved to see them work Drew in the game because Taysom is rolling, man. You you got to keep when, – when the horse is going, you got to let the horse keep rolling. You got to let him roll. Let him keep rolling. Put Drew in the game on some uh, at, at some points in the game. But let Drew work his way back in and let Taysom keep rolling because at the end of the day, I keep talking about this experience and we're going to need it because if Drew goes down in the playoffs, we're going to need Taysom to, to, to really step up now and we're going to need him for experience. Yeah, Taysom has been rolling, but I the, I don't think the plan, you know, is to roll him into the Super Bowl. And so this game in particular, I just see as a different game than everything else because it again, it's just you have to think 
about the down the road implications of this. And, and I just think that Sean would rather see what his best game plan with the worst possible players looked like against them than if we ran a Taysom offense and maybe we do win. But then, you know, what do we do in the Super Bowl at that point? And now we don't really know what our typical offense looks like against Kansas City. It's not something we could say, okay, well, sorry, Drew, you're going to sit out the Super Bowl because Taysom, you know, beat the Chiefs the last time. So I see how getting this intel on Drew Brees in this game in specific makes sense after this game, though. And, and that's why I think that they didn't use him on, on third downs, because I think that's something there, there's just really no other excuse for not even just using Hill on the six downs that were five or less. It, when our passers weren't getting anything done, the Kansas City knew Drew Brees wasn't going to take off when he's healthy, let alone with, with all the injuries he has. But now that Taysom started four games, he can throw, but he'll, he could also run. So the fact that we didn't use him at all, it's either that they really were so afraid of Drew getting hurt and with Winston on the COVID list, they weren't willing to chance it, but they had Taysom out there catching passes. So I have to think that the purposeful, that it was you know intentional that they didn't use him just to keep him in their back pocket. Was that the right call? I don't know. But who showed up to win was the defense. That might have been a bad offensive showing, but I wouldn't say that the whole team didn't show up to win because that side of the ball played their hearts out. And we talked about how they didn't really show, you know, it, it was a lack of effort last week. Uh, they definitely didn't go into this week, like you said, preparing for like a scrub opponent. This this was not that. I was just about to say that. The way those, I, I guess they must have heard the podcast last week. <laughs> I, I, I swear, I guess, because uh, I saw some physicality, man. You know, in, 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 in uh, dealing with Tariq Hill, I saw, you know, uh, Lattimore, uh, uh, Jack uh, Rabbit, you know, I saw them putting hands on him. You know, a lot of guys don't do that against Tyreek Hill. Yeah, we, he's fast, you know, and I, but when you put hands on him, you eliminate, you eliminate all that speed, you eliminate, you know, all of the moves and all that off the line of scrimmage, man. So I think that's one thing where we definitely turned our shoulder from last week, man. We definitely was getting physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, we definitely was tackling. I love Demario Davis, man. I, I love the way, I love 22, man. You know, I can talk yeah. about this defense all day, man. I love 22, man. Johnson, man, the way this guy plays, man, he just, you know, he reminds me of of, of Tyron Matthew, but just a little bit more bulkier. You know, a, a guy who always around the football, a guy who wants the football, a guy who's who's going to be in your face. You know, whether he make, makes a mistake or if he makes a, a perfect play, he's going to get up. He's going to be in your face. I, I love that. You know, I, I would have loved to play with him. He, he's a dynamic player. Yeah, I actually, I wrote about it this morning in that you look at the beginning of the game. We'll just take the first quarter, for example. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he was the key player in stopping the Chiefs on third down in both of the Chiefs' first two drives. He got injured, he exited the game for a little bit, and that's when the Chiefs' offense started rolling and gained a little bit of momentum. Great uh, defensive showing from those I guys. Have a, I just have a question for you, Delvin, just because this is something that I see all the time in, in like Saints fan threads. You know, one of those hot topics is that a lot of people think that the Saints defensive line, and this is this plays into that ejection on Cam Jordan, gets held all the time and and there are just no calls. And, and that's kind of what it looked like with me with Cam Jordan. If it, if it was a puncher, if it wasn't a punch, it was clearly a lot of, you know, 
pent up frustration at that. Is that something that you genuinely see at, you know, as a former player on this defense? Is this just, we have a really aggressive front four. And so when they don't perform, we think that they're being held or, or did you see like that happen at all in the game where, where they were holding and it wasn't called? Well, you, you got to think that those guys get paid too, right? Like they have pros. We're going to get blocked. There are going to be some games where we don't get pressures. There are going to be some games where we don't get sacks, quarterback hurries, bad at balls. It's okay. Like us fans, we have to understand that they get paid too. You know, those guys get paid millions of dollars to block us. They get paid millions of dollars to hold us. They get paid millions. They get paid to do that. So we as fans have to just play the game. We have to play the game as if we are the players. Play the game as if we're the players. We ain't going to get every call. We're not. But the calls we do get, that's the ones we got to take advantage of. Uh, that's a good point. Really good point. Yeah, I mean, like you said, now, yeah, I think uh, between the NOLA no call and all the conspiracies, I think that Saints fans are a little triggered anytime uh, flags are or not, <laughs> are either thrown or not thrown. So I get it. I get it. But um, all right, guys. So let's uh, let's wrap this up a little bit here. So let's look at the playoff picture. Uh, Maddie, you brought up a really great point that the Saints are in a position right now where they can still finish as the number one seed in the NFC. Improbable, but possible. And they could actually finish as the seventh seed. So what scenario? What would it take for the Saints to finish as the seventh seed? Yeah. So. Uh, as much as we kind of made fun of the uh, Jets-Rams game yesterday, that ended up apparently having very dire consequences, and they were so far-fetched that no one had even considered them. So what, what, ha- what could happen in a very, very dark world for Saints fans? We lose the next two remaining games. Tampa wins their next two games, and we end up in a three-way tie with Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. And that would happen if the Rams beat Seattle in week 16 and Arizona beats San Francisco in week 16, and then Arizona beats the Rams in week 17. And what would happen there is Arizona would win the tiebreaker with the Rams based on their division win record. And then strength of victory is what gives Arizona the edge over us. And it's one of those tiebreakers that so rarely comes up and Los Angeles takes the sixth and then they have a better record, uh, a conference record than us because if we lose these last two games, they're both NFC games, then we end up seven. Very, very highly improbable, but there was kind of an immediate reaction, myself included, to this game where it was like, if Breeze isn't healthy, sit him. It does not matter if we lose out, but that we technically cannot lose out. If we win next week, we are ending up between the first and third seed pretty much in every scenario. Uh, the only way we get the number one seed is if we went out and Green Bay loses to the Bears in week 17, which isn't out of the question, in my opinion. That way, we would also need Seattle to end in a three-way tie with us uh, because they would end up with a head-to-head record if it's just us in Green Bay. But yeah, so... A lot of uh, mumbo jumbo, but pretty much what's important at this point is winning against the Vikings. Playoff demons are exercised at that point, and we're not ending up in the seventh seed. So that gives us a little more leeway to give. We're not if we don't end up with that bye, turn week seventeen into that bye. Yeah, and like I said, you you win against the Minnesota Vikings, you clinch the NFC South, and you're not going to finish lower than third in the NFC. 
through that route. So Vikings are up on Christmas Day, Friday. Friday. So what do you think? Like, how, how are we going to beat the Vikings this time around? Because they, they've apparently got the Saints number. So we No, they ain't got our number. I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, I, I trust me, I'd love to put these guys, I love to put these guys in the ground. And uh, like you said, don't we talked about this last week, I actually love to see them in the playoffs again, too. I'm with you on that. But let's just focus on the Christmas game. Delvin, how are you beating the Vikings this year? Well, you know what? First thing we have to do is, uh, man, we got to stop the run. Oh, man, you know, and I'm talking defensively wise. Uh, we, we have to stop the run um, and we have to play all three phases. Um, you know, you have Delvin Cook. Uh, who, who's lighting it up? He, he's he's rolling right now. You have uh, I, if I'm I may be biased because I'm LSU, but you may have the officer rookie of the year and uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jets, um, and you got Thielen. You know, you got guys that that are playmakers over there. Um, and us, we just have to be physical from the point of attack. Soon as we start the game, we got to be physical coming out, kickoff or kickoff return. We have to set the tone. We have to let the Vikings know, like y'all don't have our number. See how we got people already talking about they got our we have to think positive. Oh, that's in the past. That's negative. That's, that's in the past. We focus on now on Christmas game, uh, Christmas Eve game, Christmas game, whatever game we got coming. It don't matter what game we got coming up because it's time to play ball. And look, let me tell you right now, going into this week in the locker room, Coach Payton is going to have these guys dialed in. You hear what I'm saying? They're going to be focused. They're going to be locked in. They're going to be in it. Look, they're going to be in film study more than anything just because I know Coach Payton is tired of talking about the Vikings. I know he is, man. So I'm telling you, be prepared for these guys to come out firing on all cylinders, and I can't wait. I think the point about setting the tone outright is is exactly that because we saw how quickly the Eagles set the tone against us. And, and – you know, and how C.J. Gardner-Johnson, we just talked about this, he set the tone for us to be able to stay in that game. We've had a slow start two weeks in a row. I think our defense has more than enough shown that they can contend against the Vikings this year. They have those great receivers. Our coverage is better this year. Like you said, I I don't think that we let them get us three times. I think that this comes down to our offense not being flat a third week in a row. And personally, I think based on if we're going off of what happened last year and with the same issues on our O-line this year, and I'll give Andres Pete a lot of credit for playing injured through that game and playing pretty well. Breeze was only sacked one time, mm-hmm. and he wasn't escaping any pressures with, with his health. The Vikings, they just ran through our interior, ate Breeze alive, Taysom Hill, had way more success with them without even throwing the ball. So I think this is the week that you have to use more of Taysom. Jameis cannot be on that COVID list again because I think that that Taysom gives us somewhat of a better chance to win against the Vikings in specific than Drew. Yeah, and you know, I, I really like this matchup. Uh, the prospect of having to stop Dalvin Cook, like you say, Dalvin, is like, it's a tall task. But if there's a defense and a run defense that is going to be able to do that, it's this one. So I like this matchup. I like this matchup. I like the way that, you know, Marshawn played. I like the way that Jackrabbit played. I love the way the secondary's playing. Put him up against Jax. Put him up against, you know, Thelion. I like it. Um, And like you said, Maggie, I think that the key to winning this game is to start out strong on offense 
and to wrinkle Taysom Hill in at a much higher rate than they did against the Chiefs. And I think just all those factors combined, I think the Saints have a uh, more than a, a good shot at, at winning this game on Christmas. And I think that would be a really good Christmas gift uh, to Saints fans after dropping two heartbreakers in a row. So, <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. That was uh, episode three of Believing Saints. Maggie and I will be back on Christmas morning for you guys to preview the Vikings and Saints matchup. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow Maggie at Maggie Hudak underscore nine four. Delvin at Delvin Bro two four. And myself at K Kissner. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.